Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading for today is from the Epistle of Paul to the Romans, chapter 12. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Our Lord God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, First Prayers. It's great to be with you. The Lord bless you. You know, I was checking, and I, I'm pretty sure about this, that this Sunday, today, is our fourth Sunday in this series called Filled Up and Poured Out. And I hope you're getting excited about it. I hope you are evaluating what are the many ways in which God has poured out his grace upon me. What are the many ways in which I have been blessed by the Lord? Because what God is now expecting from us is that we wouldn't keep the blessing to ourselves, but that we would pour out his blessings on others for the sake of Christ, on others, and for the world. I'm grateful that we're reading today's text. And I have three reasons why I'm grateful that this is the text we're reading on this day. First of all, today is World Communion Sunday. And the focus for me is not so much on the word world or on the word Sunday, even those, those are significant words, but on the word communion. Now, don't get me wrong, the act of sharing the cup, the act of sharing the bread as signs of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is at the heart of what we do as a Christian community but I don't want you to miss the important word community, our oneness in Christ with all of our brothers and sisters around the world. You know, the Bible tells us that we must rejoice with those who rejoice. We must weep with those who weep. We, as the church, must live in harmony with one another. Now, those are the things we pour out in community. And so when we share in the Lord's table, I want us to remember our relationship with each other and with Christ, because if we don't, and mainline churches are famous for that, we just go through rituals. We have the form of godliness, but we lack the power. So I want us to put community back in the word communion. But here's the second reason why I'm grateful we're reading this morning's text is that October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence, listen to me now, domestic violence is not just a problem that's out there. It's in the church. And it's not just a problem with the people in the pews. 
It's also rampant among the clergy. Domestic violence affects millions, and I mean millions, of men and women of every race, religion, culture, and status. It's not just the punches and the black eyes, and, and listen to me, that's horrible. But it's also the yelling, it's the humiliation, the stalking, the manipulation, the bullying, the coercion, the threats, the isolation. It's the, it's the stealing that person's paycheck. It's the constantly keeping tabs online of what that person is doing. The nonstop texting, the constant use of the silent treatment or calling someone stupid so often that the person actually believes it. And if you are a victim of domestic violence, you'll notice on the screen there is a number that you can call and you can get help and you can find hope. And I would urge you to do that if that's what's happening in your home. And if you're listening to me and you are inflicting violence on people in your life, in your home, around you, at the workplace, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you gotta stop it. You gotta stop it now. Because domestic violence is the antithesis of everything Romans 12, 9 through 13 is all about. What God is calling us to be and to do, domestic violence is all about power and control. And in the current environment of isolation that is caused by the pandemic and the need for social distancing, control then is more easily exerted by abusers with fewer and fewer avenues for accountability for their actions, and that's why we've gotta be aware of this. Romans 12, nine through 13 paints a whole different picture, and it calls us not to be a bully, not to be someone who is exploding with anger and inflicting threats and harms, harm on other people, but Romans 12, nine through 13 calls us to genuine love. And so the third reason why I'm grateful for today's reading then I think what, what Romans 12, 9 through 13 does, it paints this picture of what the world needs to look like through God's eyes. It paints this picture of what God has put within us and what we can pour out into the world, into our life, into our family life, into our community by the power of God. But that hope and that potential for change, of course, it starts with you and with me. And so the coronavirus has drastically changed human behavior around the world. It has exposed gross inequities in our political and our educational and our social systems. And then just this week, I read that the U.S. death toll from COVID-19 surpassed 200,000 people on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. And that just gave me pause, trying to imagine the hundreds of thousands of families who've been grieving over these past six or seven months. And then on Monday, we all heard that the world reached a somber milestone in the coronavirus pandemic where more than a million people worldwide have died because of this virus. And then when you add to that this racial pandemic, this year, 2020, has been a horrible year, and, and we've had many horrible years in our nation's history 
where we've seen the, 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 the racism raise its ugly head. But this year has been particularly tough. You and I live in a nation that is divided by hate, divided by race, and now more than ever, at least in my time living in this country, we lived in a very polarized America. We're divided by ideology, we're divided by race, we're divided by class, we're even divided by religion. And people then become balkanized, isolated, lonely, disconnected. And I'm telling you, this is not God's design for us. And so I want you today to reread Romans 12, read the whole chapter, and just be moved and inspired and encouraged by reading that chapter so that you can begin to catch a vision for what God wants you to do and to be in the world. I'm hoping when you reread Romans 12, you will, you will hear this call to a better way to live. And listen, as followers of Jesus, we do not get a pass. We cannot do what others in America are doing today. The word of God calls us to something different. And so look at this scripture with me. Going back to the top of Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discern what is the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what this text is asking us to do. To stop following the world and its craziness, but instead step back and say, God, how do you want me to live in this time? What do you, what do you want me to pour out in this time? And I'm telling you, this text gives you that information. So how might these words, particularly the words in verses 9 through 13, help us? to transform our lives and be different people. Well, what I noticed, and it's only five verses, guys, is that Romans 12, 9 to verse 13 has 13 what I call exhortations or admonitions. Let me share them with you again. The first one, number one, let love be genuine. Number two, abhor what is evil. Number three, hold fast to what is good. Number four, love one another with mutual affection. Number five, outdo one another in showing honor. Number six, do not be slothful or lagging in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Number eight, serve the Lord. Number nine, rejoice in hope. Number 10, be patient in tribulation. Number 11, be constant in prayer, number 12, contribute to the needs of the saint and number th the saints. And number 13, seek to show hospitality. And earlier in this morning's service, you heard from Carol. And Carol's story is an example of the 13th admonition in the text, seek to show hospitality. Her story helps all of us, doesn't it? Because she wasn't part of some big government think tank trying to shape policy. She wasn't part of some big political party trying to legislate and pass new laws. All she did was show up, share coffee, 
share meals, show hospitality. She served the Lord and lives were changed. She didn't change the world, but she changed, God used her to change the one person's world. Here's the difficulty that you and I have as we read this text. And I want you to sense the difficulty that we have as we read today's text. We read these words, and we could read them in about 15 seconds. We read these words, and we find them overwhelming because there are 13 different admonitions that we're being called to to, to display. And you say, well, how do I put 13 different admonitions in play? Not only that, but you and I struggle when we read anything, whether it's the Bible or some book, we struggle with knowing how do we integrate what we read into our lives. And so I, I checked it. It took me about three minutes to read chapter 12. And when I got to the end of chapter 12, I can honestly tell you, I didn't think anything shifted in my life. I was still basically the same person with all of my strengths and my weaknesses. So the fact that you read these 13 admonitions in about 15 seconds, I know it's not going to transform our hearts readily and automatically. It's not going to fire us up reading those verses in 15 seconds. It doesn't work that way. Reading texts like this once and very quickly as we do on a Sunday morning has little effect on producing all these beautiful qualities that God is asking us to do. So what are we supposed to do then? What would make these things happen? And so I share with you this quote that you see on your screen from Mother Teresa, and I found it very helpful. And she was an embodiment of this. She said, look, don't look for big things. Just do small things with great love. The smaller the thing, the greater must be your love. And here's why that's important. I want you then to focus on genuine love because I think the, the other admonitions, the 12 admonitions, if you think about it, they issue from love. That's a problem people have with the Ten Commandments also. They look at the Ten Commandments and they say, how in the world do I perfectly live the commandments? Well, you can't. But here's what God calls us to do. Love God and love your neighbor. And when you look at the Ten Commandments, you discover that the first five are vertical and they point us to loving God. And you look at the other five and they are horizontal and they point us to loving our neighbor. And so when that man, that scribe, that lawyer came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you got to fix this for me. Which is the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? The greatest commandment is embodied in love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. All the other commandments are dependent on love. And what do we read in 1 Corinthians 13? That if you have the, 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 the ability to speak all kinds of tongues, you have the ability to understand all kinds of mysteries, you have the ability to even give your body to be burned, you have the ability to give all kinds of things away, but then if you don't have love, it amounts to zero, it amounts to nothing. And so, I'm not asking you to go out now and feverishly try to practice those 13 admonitions. What I'm asking you to do 
is to do small things and to do small things with great love. I think that's what I saw in Carol's story. It's about love. It's about genuine love. And so many of the problems that we're having in our lives and in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our communities and with our neighbors and with our coworkers stem from our inability to practice love. And so that's why Paul starts with genuine love. And genuine love doesn't put up artificial fronts. Genuine love doesn't dwell on the flaws of others. Genuine love, listen to me now, doesn't crave the praise of men. Genuine love doesn't hide behind a religious facade. Genuine love forgets itself and it looks to Christ and it overflows with joy in him to meet the needs of others. So I urge you this morning, let us look to Christ for everything we need. Allow him to fill us with his love. And it's from that place of love for Christ that we're going to love that person of another race, that person of another religion, that person of another political persuasion. It's genuine love that's going to enable you to live the life that God has called you to live and to, in, and to somehow inject hope into these dark times, to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. And so this is what love does, my friends. It'll cause us to bless others. Love will empower us to be an anti-racist. Love will cover a multitude of sins so that we are quick to forgive each other. Love never ends. Think about that. So I urge you today, as you seek to love your neighbor, is to live a life of love. Now, there's no way we can do this by ourselves. Otherwise, we will, be being, we will simply be pushing ourselves to do the impossible. But here's how we can do this. We have to invite the power of Jesus, the grace of Jesus into our lives. We have to be willing to admit that, Lord, I've not been a very loving person. I've not been the kind of person you want me to be. Forgive me. Renew me. Infuse your power within me by the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can love genuinely and love my neighbor the way I love myself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen. <laughs>